It's time for episode 329 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the time-honored tech podcast. I'm your host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet and this country of ours by my co-host, my pal, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing quite well, Oh, Dan. dear. What? I'm, <laughs> I'm also time-honored. <laughs> uh, some mysterious <laughs> aging condition has hit my co-host. He has to do the rest of the show like that now. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> Made a terrible oh, please, mistake. Oh, please, oh, please. <laughs> ah, but not a mistake was inviting our two guests this week to my left. It's an editor at IT Pro Today, uh, a podcaster, the incomparable, the writer of So What? Who Cares? It's the ever-delightful Lisa Schmeiser. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. And to my left is a podcaster extraordinaire uh, for both the Accidental Tech Podcast and Analog right here on Relay. It is Casey Diet Coke Liss. Welcome, Casey. <laughs> I feel like if I had only had a Diet Coke induced burp ready to go, that would have been the time to deploy it. But unfortunately, unfortunately not. So hello. Thank you for having me with or without any sort of burps. And or thanks for not making me edit that out. All <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> Let's get underway. We've only got 30 minutes and we've got four tech topics. Let me kick it off by asking about security, a matter near and dear to all of our hearts. The latest versions of iOS let you use those little NFC lightning USB-C security dongles that you plug in to sort of get like a uh, an authentic- authentication code. I'm curious, is that something that you use or want to use or do use two-factor authentication via sms via an authenticator app do you not use it at all i'm kind of just curious about your your security practices and please give me your mother's maiden name and date of birth lisa <laughs> what about you? you'll never get my mother's maiden name <laughs> but here's my date of birth yeah no um this is a great question and you've now made me rethink all of my security practices so thanks for that crisis was not looking forward to that today i use two-factor authentication and um i both love it and hate it like a lot of people do i'm sure um have you guys ever done the thing where you're logging in and then they're like we've sent a text to your phone and you realize your phone is across the house (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah no that i'm all don't don't expire don't expire racing around hitting the find my phone button (laughs) so i i do that um I have found that for me, the best security measures are the simplest. So I will probably not be adopting this until I see how other people do it and then adopt their best practices for my own. Uh, yeah. So for me, I also use two-factor authentication. If it's SMS-based, um, I tend to not use it because it feels just as safe as not having uh, mm-hmm. two-factor authentication, uh, given the fact that that SMS is is uh, more easily hacked, at least. Um, I quite love the fact that 1Password has uh, two-factor authentication baked right into it, so it makes it very simple to um, go about 
getting those codes. Um, although I was recently told that really your best bet is to separate your two-factor authentication service from your password service so that if one is hacked, the other one is still available. Uh, but that's a whole other thing, and that's really complicated. Um, my co-host on a few podcasts... Um, Wow, why did I just forget his name? Uh, Leo Laporte um, uses... <laughs> I mean, no one's ever heard of him. No one's heard of that guy. So, who is you know, that guy? Leo who? Um, Leo uses... Oh, my goodness. Um, uses a security key from... Oh, boy. A YubiKey. And uh, I kind of look longingly at it from time to time. And especially now that you know we're getting more opportunities to use it on our mobile devices. I've been thinking about getting one for myself, but I have not yet, but perhaps in the future. Casey, what about you? So I think you and I are pretty similar. Uh, I do use SMS uh, two-factor if I need to, because I echo what you said, Micah, that it's probably no better than not having it at all. But it just seems like, well, it's one more step for someone who would want to break into my world to have to get through. And hopefully that's enough deterrent to prevent them from doing it. But again, I, I echo what you said, that it's really not that secure. Uh, generally speaking, I like to use two-factor via 1Password. I am all in on 1Password. I love 1Password. I also agree with you that the right-er thing to do would probably to split my two-factor stuff into like Authy, which I've used in the past or something like it. But I try to dance the line between inconvenient but not annoying. And so I feel like having my two-factor and 1Password or SMS when I have to, inconvenient but not annoying. And I feel like if I went into the Authy or like the more uh, quote-unquote better approaches, then I think that would bridge the gap into annoying, and then I would just not want to do it anymore. So, in Agreed. summary, one password all the way. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so I think I'm probably similar to most of you. I use Authy for almost all of my two-factor authentication, though, um, but I do use SMS when there is no other option. Uh, as Casey said, it's an extra step, and I feel like it's one of those things It's like, well... You know, if they try that hard, I go, by gum, they deserve to have access to my information. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea of using a security key, and I understand the sort of benefits that it confers, but I also sort of cagey about having a thing that I can easily lose. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And is that really more convenient? Is it really more secure than having an authenticator app? And how much more so? I don't know. Um, but I, I'm interested in that idea. I, I also kind of have been thinking uh, I would like to see Apple sort of build its own two-factor authentication framework because I really love what it's done for SMS authentication where it fills in your code because that does make life way easier. Um, but I would love to see sort of an app from them that let do, let it do similar things with authentic apps because it is still frustrating to go log in, switch apps, find Authy, get the code, come back, right? Like that's definitely adds the uh, towards the inconvenience end of the spectrum, as Casey was saying. So, uh, well, good to know. I've taken no uh, copious notes about all of your security practices. Ignore any <laughs> texts you get in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Lisa. All right. This is inspired by a great piece on Six Colors last week that Jason Snell wrote about Apple's service and wearable revenue. And it got me thinking, service-based revenue is a huge story now for some tech companies. They're making an increasing amount of uh, steady revenue from it. And it's usually things like music or um, Apple TV or storage. What not currently offered services would you like to see something like an Apple or a Google or a Microsoft offer to you? So for me, I actually want... Um 
it is a combination of all the things. I would just, <laughs> I would just like them to offer a one-stop service shop that gives me. It's it's a little bit kind of what Amazon is already doing, and a little bit what Google is working on right now with the Google One, I think it's called, um, where I pay, uh, you know, hundred fifty dollars a year. And it, with that $150 a year, I get access to Apple Music, I get ac- and it's family services. So Apple Music Family, um, Apple TV Plus Family, uh, the two terabyte, I think it is, uh, storage plan, and everything else that's baked into that. Maybe mm-hmm. free two-day shipping for Apple <laughs> purchases or something like that. I think that the um, grab all the services we offer um plan would be really really nice because i don't on its own apple news plus is not of interest to me but if especially if it's in a family type system where you know there could be certain people in your family uh your five person family or however many uh apple allows you to have who do like reading magazines, it'd be really cool if my grandma, who I made part of my family, could then read the magazines that she really likes to read, or my uh, younger sister, who likes um, arts and crafts magazines, could read those magazines, whereas I don't really use those, but I read you know, the, um, uh, a newspaper or something like that for the latest tech articles. I think that'd be super cool to have it all together like that. So that's what I, that's a service that I'd like to see Apple and other companies release. Casey, what about you? So what I want is what I can't have. Uh, so <laughs> I, I love that Sinead O'Connor album. Yeah, uh, so I want an Apple or Google Photos that works the way I want it to work, which is a total cop out. And I acknowledge that, but <laughs> I have, um, I have Google Photos and I like it a lot, but the uploader thing that they use, if you want to put things, uh, photos from like a big camera uh, on, on your, you know, the photos that come, came off a big camera that are on your disk and upload them to Google Photos, their uploader has caused me no nothing but problems for a couple of years now. So maybe it's good and I just don't know it. You know, maybe it's good today and I just don't know it, but it in the past has been terrible. And that's been extremely frustrating. Apple Photos, meanwhile, my photo uh, uh, repository is a couple of terabytes now or something like that. And so it's way bigger than I would want to keep on my drive on any of my computers. And I really don't want to have to like uh, have it on a uh, external hard drive hanging off my iMac and it's all sitting on my NAS. It's on my NAS. Why can't you just take it from there? And so alternatively, I'd love Apple Photos to be able to have a way to get photos into it or have, you know, the Apple Photos app leverage a photos library that's sitting on a network attached storage or something like that. And so I feel like both Google and Apple Photos are halfway there for my admittedly esoteric uh, setup, but none of them get me 100% of the way. And really, I just want Picture Life and Everpix back, man. Can I just have those, please? So that's what I want. I want a photos, a photos thing that works for me. Please, well, and thank you. Well, Casey, you're halfway there, which means you're living on a prayer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have two. Uh, one is will require some buy-in from those uh, always so flexible of companies, book publishers. I would like an equivalent <laughs> of Books Anywhere, uh, which is equivalent to Movie Anywhere. Like I love the Movies Anywhere service where you could like buy a movie on Blu-ray or you could buy it from one of these digital providers and you get a copy across all platforms. Made life Oh, much easier. Uh, and I want that for books. I want the ability to buy a book and have a digital copy of it. 
Um, and, you know, I realize there are some challenges with this. I say this as someone who writes books and would like to get paid for both digital and print copies. Uh, and so, like Casey, I keep thinking, nah, this isn't terribly likely. But it doesn't stop me from wanting it. Uh, and the other mm-hmm. one is something that came out of a conversation with Jason Snell. Um, and I think he and I came up with it independently. That's what I'm going for. Uh, it's like a Leibniz-Newton uh, situation with calculus. Um, and that is Apple offering some sort of VPN service. Um, they, mm-hmm. Yeah, they used to offer, you know, obviously back to my Mac, which was a thing where you could like log into your Mac remotely. Um, that kind of died off. Um, but what I would like to see is them getting into the business of offering ways to secure our connections. It seems to work very well with the rest of their sort of um, philosophy. Uh, and I, I feel like it's a company that I could actually trust um, because they don't have as much interest in collecting my personal data. So some sort of end-to-end encryption uh, VPN service I think would be grand. Lisa, last thoughts to wrap us up here? I actually want... The the glib term that comes to mind is travel panopticon. (laughs) (laughs) As a a service, um, I use Apple Maps a lot when I am in other cities, and um, I also enjoy going to national parks and to national forests and other places which have, like, no uh, mobile reception whatsoever. And... It also occurred to me that usually when I'm someplace new, either I have a big book of maps or I have a guidebook or I have a guidebook loaded onto my phone. What I really want is an app that just kind of incorporates maps plus um, hiking trails, if relevant, or a list of recommended places or attractions at the same time and or links to um, public transit in nearby areas. Basically, I want like a little travel concierge and it'd be fun. And and I wouldn't mind paying a small monthly fee if they pushed me, you know, travel specials every once in a while, like once a week, it's like, hey, Lisa, here's what's going on with Norwegian Air this week. You can now get to Stockholm for $350 each way. Book now. Also, here's some itineraries you want to. Basically, I would like to not have to coordinate four or five different things when I'm traveling so that I know where I am and what I'm doing. I want one place that bundles it up and does it for me. Mm, mm, that's a great idea. Mm, not I like bad. That. And, and when somebody takes this idea and runs with it, you're welcome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Please give me a complimentary subscription for life. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which, of course, means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They've got 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in sydney australia and with their enterprise grade hardware s3 compatible storage options and their next generation network linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price get started on linode today with a 20 dollars credit for listeners of this show and you will get access to native ssd storage a 40 gigabit network and industry-leading processors uh, nanode plans starting as low as five dollars dedicated cpu plans with physical cores reserved just for you and one-click installs of the most popular apps, including WordPress, LampStack, and game servers for Minecraft, plus a whole lot more. Go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2020 when creating a new Linode account and get $20 credit towards your next project. Oh, and Linode is hiring right now, so if that's something that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers to find out more. The URL for that $20 credit one more time, linode.com slash clockwise, promo code clockwise2020. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Micah, what is your topic? Uh, Twitter is experimenting with a new system for replies. Essentially, you can choose uh, if 
Uh, anyone can reply to a tweet you put out if only people you follow and mention in the tweet can reply to a tweet you put out, if only people you mention can reply to a tweet you put out, or if you're putting out a statement, meaning that no one can reply to a tweet that you put out. My question is, what are your thoughts on this? Casey, we'll start with you. I like it in principle. Um, my thoughts, though, are that I'll probably never see it because I very rarely use the official Twitter client. I typically am in Tweetbot. I think this will be the same problem for those of us who use Twitterific. Um, I, I, I definitely think it's a good idea, but I feel like we are trying to fix a symptom rather than the cause of the problem. And hey, maybe we should just think about, I don't know, getting the Nazis off Twitter. That'd be great. So maybe mm. we can start there. Um, but it, as uh, this is better than nothing. I just wish it was more. Yeah, I feel pretty similar to Casey on this one. Um, and, and like Casey, I use TweetBot, so it may be a non-starter, period. Um, it's good that they're looking into these kinds of tools. There's an upside and downside always, right? Like if you are somebody who's going to get harassed a lot, it's nice that you can control who might get to reply to you. But you could also use this so that you you don't see opposing viewpoints or people looking at your tweet don't see really opposing viewpoints. So I feel like that potentially stems context and other sort of more um, nuance that can be added to these kinds of tweets. Um, and, and I think Casey hits the nail on the head when he says this is this is a symptom. This isn't the root of the problem. Like the, the Twitter needs to take a much more hard line on dealing with abusive and harassing content on its platforms. Um, that won't, you know, not a problem to be solved overnight. But when you're a giant platform like this, you should be investing the time and energy in doing something like that. So this seems like a maybe like a stopgap uh, at best. So I, I'm a little skeptical. Lisa? I agree with both of you who have gone so far. And um, <laughs> well, I, I think the thing is, I don't actually think it's in Twitter the company's best interest to get the Nazis off or deal with harassment because mm -hmm. that level of en that that level of quote unquote engagement generates uh, generates metrics that they can then use to keep investors happy and um, cajole advertisers into paying more. So for them, it's I feel like we're looking at a product where it, for them it's good business for people to be harassed. And when they do tools like this, all they're doing are giving people legitimate ways to duck out of dialogue when they don't want to be responsible for their words and and maintain a business status quo. So I think it's. I think it's ridiculous we have this, and we still can't edit our tweets, and there are still Nazis. Um, all well said. Uh, basically, I do think this is an interesting idea. Um, I see how this could be helpful, but uh, in what we're you know all talking about here, the idea that you are cutting off um, opposing viewpoints certainly has... Um, you know, it, it's place in the dialogue, so to speak. Um, it's interesting because everybody kind of gets different things out of Twitter, and some people certainly exist in a space where um, they are 100% A-OK -okay with, you know, Twitter not being a platform they use anymore, um, and how that all works. Um, there's just, it's just a very complicated thing, uh, because it's, there, there's, a, there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess, ultimately, the, the statement that I'm glad something's being done, but it's not enough is probably where I stand on this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Regardless of that, it will be interesting to see how this works um, when it is released and 
how third-party apps will come into play in, in that space. Casey, let's move on to your topic, the last one. Excellent. So I was wondering, what's the last app that you really fell in love with or dramatically changed the way you live your life? You know, is there something that there's a before time and an after time? And I suppose that could be like a game or something, but I was really thinking more about, uh, I don't know, like a time tracker or a productivity app or something along those lines. Wow, I was really racking my brain. I think the biggest issue is I, I don't find myself adopting as many new apps as much. But as I was flipping yeah. through to see mm-hmm. like what was stuff I'd used recently that I find myself using a lot, um, actually the New York Times cooking app, um, that's actually made oh. a really big difference in my life. Um, my wife and I try to cook more, um, and we have a subscription in the Times, and so we access the cooking stuff, and there's a lot of great recipes. I find myself bookmarking you know, way more recipes than I can ever hope to make, but I, we do actually make a, a fairly sizable chunk of the ones that we sort of note down for later. So I feel like um, you know, it's not necessarily the app itself that, that did it as much as the content of the app, um, but it is, a, it is a perfectly solid app, like, in, and it's easy to like, sort of follow your recipes recipe instructions and all that um but just having the access to that huge variety of different recipes um and being able to sort of save and store stuff and catalog stuff and share it uh, i actually think that has made a huge difference in our life so that's what i'm going with lisa you know i complain about it constantly on twitter but the um the move app on my watch Mm. (laughs) because i have i have the apple watch um i am a slave to closing those rings um (laughs) (laughs) and i love racking up the little badges um and also i will i will happily be your little watch friend because i love seeing when people (laughs) do workouts and things like that but i i can tell you it has made a difference because i do make a concerted effort every day to make sure that i'm getting in a decent amount of cardio and that i'm moving and i'm standing and i'm sitting and it's actually been great for my overall health baseline. And again, in keeping with with the fact that I'm I'm, I'm essentially a rat, you know, pressing down the lever for the pellet. Like I love get <laughs> I love getting those badges, and it's pushed me to go, you know, go further on hikes. It's pushed me to try new workouts. I I go out and get like the national parks challenge every year. I do the New Year's challenge, all of that stuff. It's been great. It is apparently exactly what I need to keep up and maintain a near daily exercise habit. I love that. I love that. Um, for me, it is Fantastical. Um, before Fantastical, the built-in calendar app was not something that I used because I did not enjoy it. In fact, I used a, a paper calendar to keep track of all of my uh, need, needing to-dos. Um, but whenever Fantastical entered my life, I pretty much live and die by that calendar now. Um, everything goes in my calendar, and I'm the person who someone says, oh, would you like to go have lunch later this week? And then I say, yeah, yeah, let's definitely do that. And then pretty soon they've got a calendar invite sitting in their email inbox ready <laughs> for them to accept. Um, at work, whenever uh, there's a, uh, a show that I don't regularly do, but a show that all of us sort of are hosts on. Um, someone's like, oh, can you do one this Thursday? I'm like, well, send me a calendar invite and I'll be happy to do that. Um, so I am very much, a, I, I think Fantastical is fantastic. And I appreciate that app with all of my heart and soul. Uh, Casey, what is your app that you've fallen in love with? And if you choose your own, I'm kicking you off. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, I didn't even think about that. Uh, and I think that's because uh, my app, Vignette, which you can find on the App Store, uh, I don't want to use it because Ooh. then I would have 
really good data and I want to have really bad test data, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. so I want all my I want all my uh, contacts on my phone to have no image. So my app, which is designed to fill in the images, does something, you know, and, and when I'm testing it and so on and so forth. But anyway, uh, thank you for the opportunity to make that plug. The actual answer <laughs> I have, however, is uh, the app do D-U-E. Uh, I came up about it probably a year ago now, but I feel like it is very, uh, very strongly changed the way I try to get things done. I, I too, like you, Micah, am a, a complete calendar devotee, and I do love Fantastical. Uh, my calendar does rule my life, but there are things that I want to either be reminded of or maybe don't necessarily belong on my calendar. And to me, do DUE is a great app that that fills that gap. And so what do does is it lets you create reminders for yourself. And not only that, but it will pester you about them, which is excellent. Now, I'm a great example of this is, you know, taking your pills in the morning or something like that, if you're not good at remembering that, but it can be all sorts of different things. And you can set up, you know, fortnightly reminders to do something or check something or whatever the case may be. And so I found that do has been a really, really great way to keep me from having to remember stuff I don't want to remember and often forget anyway. Ah, but what about the stuff I never want to remember? I want to forget. <laughs> Where do I put those? Can't help you there. All right. That's our service we can sell. Getting <laughs> <laughs> as a service. Uh, all right. Those are some great apps to check out. And we have reached our last topic, uh, but we have just some time for a bonus topic. Before that, however, I need to tell you about our second sponsor today. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands, and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. That's boozallen.com slash relay. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show. All right, bonus topic time. I'm heading off to the annual MIT mystery hunt this weekend, which involves solving lots of puzzles. And my question for you is, do you do puzzles? Do you play puzzle games? Do crosswords, Sudoku, jigsaw puzzles? No puzzles at all. Lisa? (laughs) I go through fits where I really like Sudoku, and I'll get into it. And then one day I'll wake up and boom, I'm, I'm, I can't stand it. (laughs) 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 So, um, it's, not regular or consistent. I should add that through college, I also had a love-hate relationship with crossword puzzles, too, where I would go through months where that was my morning routine, was getting up and having a cup of coffee and doing a cro- doing the Washington Post crossword, and then my day would start. And then one day, like, the switch just turned off. Um, I wish I had a regular puzzle habit. I can't explain why I will spend a month or two just consumed by Sudoku books and then drop them. But it's 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 weird. It's like an on off thing. It's it's <laughs> sort of like a tabloid relationship, except with me and puzzles. Uh, yeah, I with with crosswords. That's kind of how I am. Uh, every once in a while, I'm like crosswords. Give me them all. <laughs> and it, it actually sounds like that too. It's pretty scary. Um, and then I'm done with crosswords for a long time. And then I'll come back to them. Yeah, Casey, what about you? 
You know, I don't typically do that many puzzles uh, of any kind, and I'm not that big into games for the most part, but um, part of the reason we don't do puzzles around this house is because we have two small children, and that makes it very difficult. However, uh, my wife loves puzzles, and I got her, although we haven't had a chance to try it yet, one of those puzzle rolly uppy thingies. I believe that's the official <laughs> title of the, uh, yes, of the product. Yes. And so, in theory, that will let her slash we uh, roll up a puzzle and put it out of prying hands, you know, out of out of curious toddler hands when we're not trying to work on it. And then we can roll it back out when we do want to work on it. Right. Uh, that being said, it occurred to me as I heard you guys talking, particularly Dan with this MIT thing, is that I haven't had the opportunity to do it but a couple of times, but I do love me an escape room. Mm-hmm. And I've had tremendous amount of fun in the three or four times I've been able to do escape rooms. There's a, a pretty good place here in Richmond, Virginia that does it, and that's not unique to Richmond. You know, there's good places everywhere. And it is rare that I get the opportunity, but I do quite enjoy it when I do. Nice. Yeah, I like escape rooms. I like all sorts of puzzles, really. Uh, crossword puzzles are kind of my jam. I'm on my, let's see, my current streak is 115 days from New York Times crossword puzzle. Wow. Yeah, well, my highest, my highest is 201, and then I forgot to do it or couldn't do it one day, and I was like, no, it's all ruined. But I do like all, <laughs> mostly word puzzles, because, you know, I like words. Uh, all right, that is the end of the show. All that we have left to do is thank our fantastic guest this week, Lisa Schmeiser. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is great. And Casey Liss, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And Micah, there's no puzzle about when we're coming back, because it's going to be next week. Uh, But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.